The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. MX as the shooter shot lead. You do expect higher performances and better things from Club Americas, but it's the inconsistency. With the well, thing isn't with this Tata inconsistent, though? I will maintain that the U.S. men's national team came out to the knockout round despite terrible coaching. Like, they have a student discount, maybe, to go to a Club Americas? <laughs> like, they got it, right? No. <laughs> Take that next step. I think it's still undisputed that you have to go... To Europe. He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the time. No, look back at highlights. No, that's, if that's you have... That's the Christian Pulisic treatment, though. Same. We're going to have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Football Show. As always, I'm Lizzie, U.S. editor over at 90 Men, covering all U.S. sports, soccer, everything, um, with my co-host Gino. How are you? Good. I mean, hey, we got an unbelievable weekend in MLS, um, a great weekend in League MX. I mean, we're in full swing now, right? So soccer everywhere in North America. And I mean, how could you hate on that, right? No, we're back officially. MLS kicked off on Saturday, February 25th. Um, we saw the new coverage over at Apple. And Liga Mickey's, as always, is amid the um, 2023 clausura so we are in full swing an action-packed game and podcast <laughs> yeah what do you want to go through first i say we go through mls first we haven't had any mls talk on the podcast really so let's start with the mls i mean you mentioned apple tv i think that's what we should hit on first here um let's about the coverage really i mean this is the first time obviously everybody who has the season pass has gotten a chance to be bought up before you had a chance to look at a lot of the different content that was on there already. Um, but this was the first production of yeah. Apple TV for an MLS game week. And I mean, I don't know about you overall. I th- thought they did a pretty solid job. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah. So I want to start before with all the content they uploaded prior to kickoff. Mm-hmm. And I said this on Twitter too. I thought it was phenomenal to watch the team previews and watch the amount of growth this league has gone through in the past 30 years. I mean, we we take note of the recent changes and obviously as years go by, there's little things here and there that are adjusted. But if we go back to the beginning, 10 teams, and now we're looking at our 30th expansion team, as Don Garber said, they're looking at several markets and um, franchises. So it's absolutely insane. And watching those team previews made me emotional, really to hear these stories, understand the people, understand the fans and the players that are behind just these amazing clubs. So before getting into the game, 
I kind of hyped up on Saturday. I sat down for like three, four hours, just watched it all. Um, There's some phenomenal shows and series on this MLS season pass on Apple. Game Changers in particular. I know they only have two out right now with Carlos Vela and Chicharito, but those two are just great to watch. Definitely Game Changers in this league. So that was phenomenal. And then game coverage was great. I thought just the quality of the video, which is something so small, but yeah, the quality of that was like watching it or better because my eyesight is terrible. So I need my glasses at the stadium, but <laughs> watching it from home was crystal clear. No. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I thought they did a really, really good job. I think from a production standpoint, it was more like they didn't reinvent the wheel, which I thought right. was great. They didn't try and do something new, which was great. So, um, that's huge. Love that. And, um, you know, I, I thought MLS 360 is what I watched on Saturday. I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but I really enjoyed that coverage as well. I felt, you know, from a talent standpoint, the first hour or so was a little, they took some getting used to, right? Cause they're, these are new guys working together and it took some time to get a little chemistry, but, and I know people don't like him as much, but I thought when Taylor Twelma came on, it really picked up and the show really took off from there. Um, and I thought he did a really good job of tying everything together. It's a shame, honestly, that he's going to be doing more games than being on and the broadcast coverage. more and coverage. Uh, Cause I thought he was really good in that setting, but overall I thought Apple TV hit a home run this weekend. I thought MLS, everything they could have wanted MLS to be this weekend, Apple TV got, I think just this weekend alone was worth, worth the deal. So they, yeah. they, they really have done a good job and I'm excited to see what, you know, comes in the next few weeks. And I got to check out some of that, that other content too, because uh, like you said, I've heard from you and, and multiple other people that it's, it's really good. It's great. I particularly didn't watch um, MLS 360. I tend to lean towards the actual games more than the action pieces. And I make fun of like NFL Red Zone too. I don't understand it. I'm not a fan of that. But as you oh, said, they didn't. That's the thing. I love NFL Red Zone. I live for NFL Red Zone. Me and my friends watch and We would in college, we would watch NFL Red Zone like wouldn't move for like seven hours. We just sit there. I can't there do and that. Watch. I need to watch the game. Like I don't. I don't just care about the goal. I want to know what's going on, how they're playing, the vibe, the players, especially this weekend. I wanted to know how players were getting adjusted with new teammates. And I know yeah. that obviously a lot of roster changes, but I just wanted to know how everyone was doing. I don't care about like just the goals. So 360 might be a phenomenal show. I'm just not the target audience. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally understand, though, right? Because you can't really tell the flow of the game as much with 360. You get the coverage, you get... I, I do wish that they went into the announcers more. They were talking right. a lot. Like, I felt like they could have given talent a little bit of time to, you know, take a break, go to the announcers with the game coverage a little bit more. But um, but I, I think MLS 360's goal is basically to be there when what happened saturday happened right 7 30 yeah. games are about to finish and you have five goals in the 7 30 window that crazy were after the 85th minute so again home run for them but i totally understand what you're saying i can't get the flow of a game either if i'm watching it it's more for the excitement and seeing all the action and kind of getting a a little bit of here and there like okay like this is happening here this is happening there you know you know, so that's why I like the MLS 360, but I will be watching some of the solo games as well. Um, 
which, um, you know, obviously, you know, I, I did watch the Nashville game and the um, some of the Seattle game. And again, coverage was great. They didn't try and reinvent anything. Yeah. And I thought it was awesome. So, yeah, um, I think a, a score like a scoreline could be so deceiving. Sometimes you look at yeah. Atlanta United against the San Jose Earthquakes, that 2-1. It's crazy. San Jose dominated for the majority of the match. And granted, it's nearly impossible to save Diagualmada's goals that yeah. one million it's a phenomenal player phenomenal skill um but San Jose honestly played really really well and mm-hmm. I want to toot my own horn but <laughs> my dark horse <laughs> no I thought they did um really well considering last season and what they were doing so deceiving which is why 360 can be deceiving but yeah no great coverage nonetheless yeah, understandable. Understandable. I mean, again, I think out of all the storylines that MLS 360 brought us, uh, MLS brought us this weekend, we have to kick off with St. Louis. I mean, do. I don't think there's anybody in the entire country, any MLS analyst, anybody who would have said confidently without, you know, tongue in cheek or anything that St. Louis was going to go into Austin and come out with the victory. Um, no I don't even think they would have said they would have come out with a draw. I mean, this is the first game they've played. We've, you know, you, you talked to um, Zhao Klaus um, about it. And this is the first game they've played. They've had what? They've been together really as a full team for six weeks because yeah. they haven't had a full roster of, you know, St. Louis City SC players. It's been a lot of St. Louis City 2 and St. Louis mixed. So the fact that they went into Austin, which I think is probably growing and going to be as time goes on, one of the more hostile environments, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, I do want to point that out. It's one of the most difficult stadiums to play at, and yeah. all credit goes to their fans. The atmosphere that they provide at Q2 is mm. unreal. The fans at the like the chance they're just great, which kind of is like you get the light song. show, the green light show when they score the goals. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely that 12th man on the field. And for St. Louis to go in for their first game to that intimidating atmosphere is yeah. is credit on its own. Yeah, and they, they looked, I mean, again, I watched from MLS 360. So, again, it's it maybe a little hard to tell, uh, you know, uh, how the flow of the game went. But they looked like they were solid. They, you know, yeah. listen, they're not going to go in. Verde is such a vibe. Verde is, is a vibe. Um, but... They go in and they like they didn't they could have easily folded they could have you know this is just looking solid they're not going to look so, this good every single week right they're not going to this isn't going to be a team that's going to go out there and get wins every single week but to go into your first match and have the confidence that they played with and to go after a victory like they could once it was two two they could have sat back and just been like okay well I'm comfortable with this but right they went after it and they got they got the set the third goal and um. And it was a sick goal, too. Klaus's goal was awesome. A little toe poke around the goalkeeper. Um, so, I mean, really good weekend from, from you know, St. Louis. I mean, everyone in that town loves soccer. Like, that is a soccer city. It is. Um, and I'm sure they were partying deep into the night after that one. Yeah, I think they stood their ground at Q2, which wasn't expected. And I know it's going to sound cliche and cheesy to an extent, but they looked like a major league soccer team. And many people didn't expect that coming in as their debut to the league and first game ever. And as you said, they'd just been together for six weeks. So the fact that they even presented themselves as a composed team at one of the most hostile 
places of the league is ridiculous. I do want to say one of their goals, as much as I think they were great, one of their goals was a favor and it was given. I mean, Jared in Stratton fairness, reacted. No, St. Louis reacted really well um, in scoring that, but Austin FC's back line passing it straight is, is crazy. So good for them. They did really, really well. And it's great. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's it, it, that goal. I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, that was just a complete mental lapse. Um, yeah. but, um, but hey, you get the win anyway, you can get the win. So, anyway, you a can win get is the a win. win, a win is a win, exactly. Um, you know, again, continuing with the teams that are off to great starts, let's start. Let's go to a player who's off to a great start. Granted. Did he probably have the best game? No. I, like you said, San Jose did dominate this game at points. But, I mean, come off a World Cup win, you get two sick goals that in stoppage time that end end up, you know, giving you the, the win. Um, Tiago Amada had a phenomenal weekend this weekend, and I don't think yeah. you could have, you know, he, he couldn't have scripted it any better. I know, and we laugh and we say, like, what do you expect from a World Cup winner? But it seems he's really growing into his own and understanding his place in this league. And it's not going to be that noisy player. It's He's going to be an integral part yep. of what they're trying to do at Atlanta United. And now I kind of understand Joseph Martinez's departure. Like, it, it's not his team anymore. And it wasn't for a little bit. So yeah. heading off to Miami would have been um, was great. And now Diego Almada is going to slowly and quietly dominate. And we, again, spoke to him on MLS Media Day in January, and I asked him what his goals were for this season, and he did not fail to mention the team every single time. And I asked him individual goals. He said, just help the team every single time, giving them my all. And he is, so. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, in your opinion, does he last the full this full season in the MLS? What do you think? I do. I do. I don't think he's a high energy player. I think he's like a set piece key moment of the match player. So I don't think that tank is going to run out by December. I just think he's going to be. Well, less, less, less that more is somebody going to come after him. Uh, Do you think he, in the summer, a team comes after him and and goes, Oh, transfer. Um, I think he'll be in MLS for, for at least a year. Okay. I think potentially that um, winter transfer window might come out and get him, but I think he'll be at Atlanta United until December. Yeah, I mean, we'll see because if he keeps, you know, again, you got to, he's got to keep producing, right? He's got to right. show that he is that key player to Atlanta, but who knows? I mean, down the road in the summer, that could be someone that somebody does look at one of those lower teams, maybe in the premier league or, or, you know, maybe a, a La Liga team looks at him. Um, I do but... understand the urgency of the market. I think we saw it particularly this time around in the winter with Chelsea and everything, but I don't think he's done quite enough to prove his price tag at the moment. He yep. saw just a, he is a world cup winner, but he's just saw minimal minutes at the world cup and is scoring now and doing great but he's just getting into a rhythm. So if he does leave in the summer, I think it would be a premature move. And I'm not sure that's the best thing for his development, but I mean, if it were up to me, probably leaves in January. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, this Atlanta team without him probably is not 
Um, I mean, I don't know if just answering this question here before I continue, I don't think he will fetch more than Almiron. I, I, I think not right now, maybe at this pace, maybe the trajectory of it, maybe down the road. Yes. If he keeps this up, but I can't see it right now. Um, fetching more, but who knows? But this Atlanta team without him is, is nothing on issues. So yeah. If he does with him, it's had issues, and that's why the price tag will be so yeah. big, and yeah. probably at this moment too much for any team to take a chance on. Um, yeah. We talked about key players. We talked about Tiago Mata. Obviously, there were a couple injuries this past week, not even yeah. just including the week in the yeah. past week. Um, Chicharito down midweek. Um, Insignia down in the middle of Toronto's uh, first match. I, I think there were a couple other that I'm missing that maybe you can. Um, keep um keep up with here lizzie but um two two major injuries um you know that could really affect these teams at the beginning of the season yeah and chicharito announced on his twitch channel last night that he's out for two to five weeks so that would be a month without him in the beginning of the season now la galaxy does have some other figures and i would love to see efrain alvarez for example come in and set the pace but it's definitely a huge loss for la galaxy not to have chicha out on the field, especially with the rhythm that he was establishing last season. I still think he has a lot within him to make an impact. Hamstring injuries, though, are difficult. A relapse is likely or it's finicky. So I'm hesitant to say that it'll just be one month of the season. Who knows? I think he has to be careful. If it's just two weeks, though, phenomenal for LA Galaxy, and they have other figures to play up top at the moment and then have him come back. As you said, there's a lot of other injuries. We saw Julio Cascante from Austin FC has nearly been put on the season-ending injury list. He's He will be reevaluated in about eight weeks, but at the moment his timeline to return is indefinite um, by Josh Wolf's standards, so we don't know there. Diego Rubio from um, Colorado Rapids, he's also out. Alan Pulido had a bit of a relapse and remains within the questionable standard by Sporting Kansas City. He was expected to make at least the bench for the season opener against the Portland Timbers. We know that he didn't. So that is, again, extremely disappointing for Sporting Kansas City, who continues to struggle with their DPs. Mm -hmm. So many injuries to Peter Vermees' roster, which... We know last season played a huge role in their decline. So I hope yeah. for their sake, it doesn't happen again or they're back pretty soon, but we don't know. And yeah, yeah I mean, you said Insigne coming off of um, the field at Audi Field during the game against DC United was a huge signal to Toronto FC that they're in trouble. Luckily, they strengthened their roster in other areas, but going with going this season without Norin Insigne would be unthinkable especially for Bob Bradley, unthinkable. Yeah, that would be like a, a huge loss for Toronto, I think. Um, you know, you saw how important he was last season, even. Um, and obviously, the two Italians, Bernadeschi and, and him, um, yeah. you know, both are, are integral parts of that Toronto team. Um, a Toronto team who, yeah, like you said, I mean, they have pieces, have, have made the team a little bit better, but like, Without two of your, without your key one, of your key players, basically your key score. That's a hard. That's a that's a big loss. So, um, a lot of big injuries in MLS. But hey, I mean, I'm sure these teams would rather get it out of the way now than later. 
Um, so, um, you know, I guess, you know, got to deal with it for right now, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how long Chicharito's out. I, I agree. Hamstring injuries are finicky. Um, but we'll, we'll see now we'll wrap it up here with, uh, before we get to league MX coverage, um, in your opinion, Lizzie, who had the best weekend? Um, St. Louis, I think had the best weekend. They, they, flew it out of the water. They shocked their own supporters. I think they even shocked themselves with the victory at Q2. So I would say definitely St. Louis and to a certain extent, DC United, they deserved the win. It was hard fought. I thought it was endearing that it wasn't Christian Menthica to get that game winner. And it was the homegrown players and players making their debut like Matthews Klitsch. So great on them. They deserve it last season. I'd hope to say is an anomaly to what the team can create. Wayne yeah. Rooney, we haven't really seen him a full season with DC United at Major League Soccer. So beyond obviously coming in as a player. So maybe his leadership might work to their advantage. It's crazy to know um, their progress they've gone through. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's crazy uh, to see where they started last season to where they are now, but I hope they keep up this momentum. I know personally the team has grit and they'll keep working hard and fighting. Just sometimes you need a little bit of luck. And I think they had it this weekend. So both of them, great weekend. See, you took you the think? easy ones. You took the I did. Easy I'm ones. sorry. So I'm going to take, I'll take Seattle. Um, okay. I think. Obviously, they had they had a tough week or a tough year last year, right? And I think for Seattle, they needed to come in and show that they're they fixed that and that you know they've made some additions and that things are going to be okay without Raul Ruiz Diaz to go out there and get a four nothing victory over Colorado. Granted, some of the goals were a little bit fluky, um, you know, a couple of deflections, easy easy goals, but still, you have to be in the right position to put the ball in the back of the net and. All four times they were, right? So Seattle won winning 4 nothing. They keep a clean sheet against Colorado. They look good at home. Um, it's good signs for them moving forward that they're back and, and MLS should be on, on notice. Um, I want to talk particularly about um, the Seattle Sounders because I think it's such an interesting case that they went from CONCACAF Champions League winners to a dreadful Major League Soccer season and in just the span of basically two months. So we spoke to Christian Roldan and we asked him what was going on. And he basically just said that the team could not recover from the emotional roller coaster of what was going on beyond Major League Soccer. And first of all, I think that's very interesting in and of itself. But I want to go specifically into a team's death. And I think Major League Soccer teams struggle with that. Obviously, in Europe, we know there's simultaneous competitions and tournaments. You have not only what would be the equivalent of U.S. Cup, but you have Champions of Europa League. You just have so many competitions going on at the same time that you build a roster knowing that you have to have turnover. And Major League Soccer, prior to these last couple seasons, were a one-tournament team. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing teams struggle as they compete in the U.S. Cup in the CONCACAF Champions League and Major League Soccer, and now with the inclusion of League's Cup and an extended playoff season, like, I just don't know how these teams are going to manage that. 
And the Seattle Sounders are the perfect case study. I don't think these teams will manage that. I think we're going to see some break. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, we see it with players abroad. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's just because they play them playing it for longer doesn't mean that the European players are having any easier time with the amount of games on the schedule. Obviously, COVID had a major impact on that as well. So definitely going to be interesting to see how these teams now handle as a whole these five different trophies, four different trophies that you're now fighting for. So uh, will be interesting. And then finally, wrap it up. Worst weekend, in your opinion. I want to go with the Colorado Rapids. Um, Beyond just obviously losing and having four goals scored on you, losing Diego Rubio, I think, is just a huge, huge hit. And it's not a particularly, like, glamorous team Mm -hmm. on its own. It's pretty mediocre. So being hit pretty hard that opening weekend when you're trying to convince people to believe in you is just a huge bummer. Really? It's just not the vibe. Yeah, I mean, and they have a lot of players on that team that they're, they need to be, like, they're, they're taking risks on. So yeah. that's going to be interesting for them to see how that all pans out. In my personal opinion, the worst weekend, I'm going to stay away from teams and I'm going to go okay. to fans. I think okay. the LA fans as a whole had the worst weekend yeah. this weekend because you look forward to this amazing matchup at the Rose Bowl. 70,000 had already bought tickets and it gets canceled. And not does it, not only does it get canceled, they have like a blizzard warning for the first time in LA since 1989. They're dealing with all this other stuff. It's like, I'm sure they just wanted some soccer. They just wanted to watch their teams battle it out on the pitch. LA Galaxy fans maybe a little less upset about it because Chicharito obviously out and wasn't going to play in this well, one. I would say more. Like I would say I think they're the biggest losers out of all the fans. They lost a key player. LAFC is just like, mm, we'll play next weekend. And I July guess. 4th is right around the corner and we're fine. LA Galaxy is like, okay, well, what do we do but, now? But with these, these key players, you know, or with these games, I should say, like mm-hmm. – you want the key players for the key games, for the big games, right? When you're in a rivalry match, you don't want to say, you don't want a team, and LAFC probably feels the same way. They don't want LA Galaxy to come out and say like, oh, well, they only beat us because we didn't have Chicharito, you know? So we're going to get July 4th. We're going to get it. We're going to get a nice nice matchup July 4th, some footy on America's birthday. I mean, in the Rose Bowl, can't get better than that. I know, and they face each other quite a few times this year. Their first matchup is April 16th. And then, obviously, July 4th. And my absolute favorite, they're playing September 16th, Mexican Independence Day, LAFC versus LA Galaxy, a Mexican battle between Carlos Vela and Chicharito. So that is just phenomenal. Terrific marketing by the MLS. Great Terrific job. They really, they really did a good job. They're really getting the most out of these uh, out of these games. Um, all right, that about wraps it up for MLS. Uh, yeah. We are going to head over to League IMX, which, Lizzie, you will – I take the head on this one, but before we go there, I want to mention we're going to be doing a Twitter spaces to preview the upcoming week um, tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Make sure the Twitter account is right below my face. So make sure you, uh, you catch us there tomorrow. Yeah. And now heading into Liga Mickey's, which we so badly neglected last episode because it was so quick. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about Liga MX anymore. That's why I led with MLS because every single time we haven't talked about Liga MX in three weeks and and, uh, Cruz Azul have three wins. So I don't want to talk about it. And to start off, how do you feel? 
I feel great. I mean, I watched them. Uh, I watched the game this past weekend. Okay. And they looked good. They looked good. I mean, defensively, they were solid. There wasn't really any good chances for Juarez the entire match. Um, I can't, can't really pick one out off the top of my head. They had a lot of, um, you know, they had a lot of good attacks. Juarez controlled a lot of possession at points, yeah. but didn't really do anything with it. So that was that was good. Um, crossing still needs improvement. Antuna going out and possibly, you know, we don't know. I don't know the, the situation off the top of my head right now. I'd have to look it up, but that could possibly be a big blow. But the crossing needs some work. But if it weren't for a couple of, you know, key saves or key deflections, this game could have been 3 nothing, 4 nothing. So, Yeah, I mean, congratulations to you. You finally are winning at least one way or another. Everton's losing right now, though, so don't worry. Yeah, okay, that's great. Thanks. We needed that. Um, you have a new head coach, finally, Tuca Ferretti. Yes. We know that was quite a bit of chaos on his arrival. Um, for those who don't know or haven't seen that viral video, he arrived at um, the airport at Mexico City and went straight to grab a cab. He had said that because he's not employed by the team quite yet, that he didn't want a whole big thing or a car send in his name. He just wanted to get there on his own and pay his way. And he did. And it became this whole big thing. And people were taking pictures and he was saying declarations. It was just in the most Liga Mekis to Caferretti fashion. So that was great. I personally think... Um, the social media team should have transitioned that into announcing the signing or his appointment with a taxi. But Ooh, they taxi. I think they, that would have been great. Yeah, that would have been would hilarious, be but they didn't. But he's there nonetheless. Um, the first couple of games, he didn't actually lead from the sideline. I think he kind of let the assistant coach take over because he will be part yeah. of his coaching staff. So I think it was like a sign of respect. So that was great. But his impact is making its way. He, they're winning. They're doing great. Up on the table, I know it's just mid-tournament, so one win can definitely alter results drastically, but they're doing I mean, what good. did I say? What did I say? The last time we talked about Cruz Azul, I said, okay, like, who knows? Maybe the next time we talk, Cruz Azul win three games in a row and they'll be in a playoff spot. And that's where they are right now. So I'll take it. I'm cool with it. Right now, it's been better than the first five weeks were. We're in, going into week 10. Right. So, yeah. you know, we got some games to figure it out. Maybe we'll get a little bit more mid table and then we'll assert our dominance in the playoffs. I mean, really ideally would be top four to get that bye week, but no, we don't need that. We want to play more. Oh, games. you're too good. Too good. We want to play more oh, games. Okay. Fascinating. That's, that's an excellent point to take. Uh, um, you know, who's too good club America. They remain unbeaten this season. Granted it's a lot of draws, but we'll take it. They, Last weekend, drew 2-2 against Atlas, and it was phenomenal and yet concerning because the defense, once again, struggles. But unbeaten yeah. is a great title to take. I'll yeah, unbeaten is great, but we're still only... We lost four games, and we're only six, seven points behind you. So, I mean, anything could change. We haven't played you guys yet either, so... We haven't, but last time that happened, it was historic, and you had to fire your manager because it was 7-0. We literally me. ran out of fireworks because we were scoring too much. No, trust me. Trust me. Cruz Azul, this is a different Cruz Azul team than I've it seen is. in the past. Trust me. And I would have experience. I, I obviously have been a Cruz Azul fan for many, many years. Uh, this is a different Cruz I Azul. I thought you were going to say many, many days. <laughs> many, many days, many, many years, months, whatever it is. Um, this is a different Cruz Azul team. Trust me. Okay. 
I mean, the effort's there. Okay. Uh, they're gonna yeah. listen. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. We're gonna be fine. Six points against Club America, give them two losses, we'll be in like a playoff spot. We'll be in like the top four, basically, almost. Basically, almost. That's exactly how math works. I'm so proud of you there. So that, math is hard. Math, math is, is hard. hard. There's a reason I went into journalism. Yes, same. I can't do numbers. Um, but let's transition over to a more concerning team and subject. Tigres is in just a weird place right now. Um, they're doing great. It's just. We know the Olainas is not playing. Biggest concern of the Mexican national team. They're obviously still looking for a hate, a head coach. Chima Ruiz is just not cutting it. Obviously, we know there's rumors of Tata Martino's possible return to Mexico. Your thoughts on it all? Yeah, I mean, the Linus situation is concerning, right? Because, I yeah. mean, how many times are we going to have him transferred to a different club and him not get starting minutes, you know, like that's a problem. And this is a kid who clearly has the talent to be like a top right. level Mexican player. Yeah. But if he's not like, there's clearly a problem there. Maybe it's attitude wise, but there's clearly a problem there. And there's clearly a reason he's not getting starting time at any of these, any of these places. Like he was at what Braga before this and Real Betis before that. Right. I yeah. mean, those aren't clubs that are, bringing in top level players like that's a, those are teams where a player of his talent should be able to get starting minutes in games like and i do want to also mention the mexican national team because he didn't even make the world cup roster yeah. he didn't see starting minutes in the games leading up to it and then was obviously cut we know also that santi jimenez was cut but that's a whole different conversation it's Definitely concerning, and at this point, you would have to blame the player. I know in the beginning when he was rumored not to play at Braga and Betis, there was a conflict of interest with the head coach, and a lot of people blamed the teams. But at this point, you can't go back to Liga Mekis and not play. Yeah. That no, was you, really, you I think, like that's the last the, resort. Where That's the reason like, for the move, right? I mean, yeah, well, he and he's still with Real Betis. He ended the loan spell at Braga earlier, like months early. They terminated the loan spell. And he wasn't really in Real Betis' future plans at the moment. So they accorded with um, Tigres for a possible return. And he's back at Liga Mekis, and he's still not seeing time. Granted, it is a good Tigres team. Like, it's not that they're bottom of the table stuck with the team and he isn't helping them win. Like, they're third place. I know they just lost against Chivas, but they're yeah. facing a couple injuries. But overall, the team is doing great. So not easy to completely break into it and earn a starting role. But on the same side, like, it's completely concerning that he's not playing and, and it's been like five games at this point where he's come back and he's just not on the field and again i'm not at these trainings in tigres or real betis or bra or the mexican national team so i don't know what these coaches are seeing and they're definitely not saying it out loud because no one knows what's going on yeah no it's 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 a problem i mean you can't have that i mean it's like you said this is this was the last resort this was where he was going to come to revive his career and he just he didn't. It, he it's, really didn't. And so, I mean, in the Tata Martino situation, I mean, listen, obviously in Mexico, there's a lot of hate around him um, or dislike for him. Hate is a strong word. Dislike. No, um, no. I, I think hate is, okay. 
is eight. according to what the Mexican national team fan base but, feels for Tata Martino. But at the same time, like, we've talked about this before. Like, he knew that there were problems with his team and, like, basically got no help on that. Uh, on the Mexican national team, he got no help on that. And, like, he's a good coach. Like, he's a good coach. He, I think he will be, if he goes and takes over that Tigres team, I think they'll be good. Here's the thing. And, and so, I don't, continue to be good, I should say. I don't want to, like, turn this into a Mexican national team analysis. <laughs> but I will say, he was committed to the 2019 roster. The mm-hmm. one that was thriving at the Gold Cup. Raul Jimenez up top. Like, he loved And then injuries happened. So you have to shift. You have to move around. You have to figure out what to do. And he didn't. He started playing the exact same team, even though they were not at that level, at that 2019 level. And then no results came about. And everybody started wondering why. And he said, but I gave you results before. Right. But as a good coach, you pivot. You understand the situation. You understand the player's moment. And if they're not at a good place in their career, you shift, you move on, and you change what's going on. He didn't. He remained like adamant on playing that 2019 team. And that sucks. So I don't think he's a good coach. My concern for him, however, I don't hate. Again, hate is a strong word. I don't hate. I dislike. Would not like to see him again in the Mexican vicinity. But my concern for him is, is he ready to get booed in every single stadium? That's fair. Two (laughs) days a week. Are Tigres fans going to boo him too? Like, the thing with Tigres fans in particular is they're not huge fans of the Mexican national team. There's always been this, like, oh, yes. yeah, I remember disconnect, yeah. especially now that they stole their head coach after, like, two weeks of the tournament. Um, thanks, Diego Coca. So I don't know if they will boo him, but wherever they go, he's going to be booed. Yeah. And potentially people will throw things at him. Um, so it won't be taken lightly across the country. I think for his sake, he should just go, like, no, thanks. Bye. I'm going to just like go to Argentina, go to Brazil, maybe go abroad, maybe come maybe back to his... MLS. We know he directed um, or he led Atlanta United. Maybe come back here. Safe space. Don't go back to a country that you eliminated in the group <laughs> stage and make like a historically bad World Cup run. Maybe don't do that right away. Like maybe it's not the best decision for, for mental health either from his yeah. perspective. But... For peace, like, like award yourself mental peace don't do that i don't know i don't know yeah i mean it, it you're probably right from a mental mental health mental perspective health and just like just like having like, again if he wants to coach if that that's a decision he made right it's like it's a decision that he's making that he's comfortable with that but i don't know how it, you make a great point i don't know how anybody goes into every single stadium in the the entire country yeah and gets boot you know so um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what, what that situation turns out to be. I think it's going to be very interesting, but I mean, we've heard a lot of names around this, this Tigres coaching vacancy already. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Rumors are rumors. I'm just, I think I was surprised to hear that he was linked to a potential yeah. move. I didn't think his name would be related to anything Mexican soccer for at least a year. So yeah, that was Severely interesting. And to close off Liga Mekis, I want to highlight Santos, who came back with a victory, a much-needed victory after embarrassingly losing 
two for the past two weeks. Um, they came back <laughs> and they won against Puebla. Granted, Puebla sucks and they're a terrible team at the moment, <laughs> but they won nonetheless three two. Struggling, giving people anxiety, but they won. It is you know they did win. Um, they did get a win. They kind of stopped their little slump there. They were they had a great start to the season, I think. And they I think did. we we need to keep up bringing up the point that this is a team that kind of got picked apart a little bit they in did. the off season. So um, for them to come back and still have this firepower where they're, you know, winning games and obviously, you know, there's going to be bumps in the road with new players and a new team and a kind of like a a team that's, that's completely restructured a little bit. Um, But Hey, in nine matches, they're three, three and three. They have 14 goals for 19 given up, which isn't great. That's like third most in the. Yeah. I think that five zero against Toluca really like. Exactly. Yeah really messed them up yeah. beyond just like an a loss because losing three points is universal whether it's a 7-0 or 1-0 loss i think yeah. it's the embarrassing factor of losing 5-0 at home and having someone like carlos acevedo at goal i know and as you just said the team was picked apart eduardo fentanes has really had to struggle with the depth yeah. thankfully santi muñoz is back we know he was at Newcastle's under 23 squad and he's back now he's just recovered from injuries so that's why he's seeing time on the bench first and then coming in for those last 20 minutes of each game but yeah good on them for winning 3-2 to Pumas the defense needs to improve drastically 5-0 is never acceptable in this league no matter who it is even like Mazatlan but yeah I mean I think the other thing too is I mean even if you take away those five goals there are still 14 goals given up which is there's only three other teams who have given up more goals than them. So defensively they need help, but, um, but I mean, Hey, they're out there, they're scoring goals, they're playing without fear and they're getting wins in certain, you know, certain situations and they're in a playoff spot. So that's, you know, that's all you could ask for after your team gets picked apart a little bit. Yes. And I would like to interrupt this regularly scheduled programming to say Santi Jimenez just scored a goal for Feyenoord in the 80th minute (laughs) of the match in their um, cup game. So thank you, Santi Jimenez. Amazing. And sorry for the interruption, but that was extremely necessary given that we've now criticized the Mexican national team, which can send people into a depression. Um, So now it's great that we just scored a prospect. He's a phenomenal. Who cares about Diego Linus when we have Santi Jimenez? Yay. You know, I, I have nothing to say to that. Literally nothing. I mean, who cares? Who cares? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I didn't ask. He left us. He left Cruz Azul, and he's a Mexican national team player. I mean, what do we... Why is this on the podcast here? I will, I will say he loves Cruz Azul. Yeah, sure he dad. does. And so does his dad. They both played. I think it, there was like a brief, like brief point in time where they coincided at Cruz Azul and it was like father and son on the sidelines. Like they were about to like sub into the game together. I, I don't think it was a league game. Um, I don't remember what it was, but that family does love Cruz Azul. So you should love them. I, I do love them, but you know, at the same time. But they're ours. Why are we talking about Americans? I feel like we should talk about them. Oh, no. Well, you guys don't have a sporting director. You still don't have We're taking our time. Is that smart? Yes. Why? Because we have four years. You have a game in 20 days. I don't care about the games in 20 days. I care about the games in four years. You have a game in 20 days. 
I First literally all, it's three, I could three years and a quarter, team. three years and a quarter, not four. Okay. And your Nations League games are the best experiment that you could do. And you still don't have a head coach and a, a sporting director. Listen, so, yes. Listen, my opinion on this is I could coach the team for the next year. And as long as with two years remaining, we get a new coach, like I'm good. And you're not worried then about losing to dual nationality players who cannot at well, the moment be convinced by a sporting director or head coach in, that, in, the, in the span of one year can be tied down to Mexico in these Gold Cup Nations that, League matches? This is a fair point. This is a fair oh, point. Yes, and at the you. same point, I have a lot of trust in my abilities as the U.S. men's national team coach. So, I, I mean, I didn't say we were going to lose games if I was coach. I think well, I can get these guys on our team. So. players. I don't know, but find somebody, Anthony Hudson, give me the job. I got it. I'll take care of it. I will get the U.S. men's national team players. I'll get those due nationals ready to go. Okay, we'll miss you on this podcast then. (laughs) Good luck. Oh, come on. I'll be a guest. Have so much fun. Have so much (laughs) fun. Have the best time. Um, I will not be rooting for you, but I hope oh, you have a fun that's time. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Mm, so sad. Um, so that's about wraps it up. We will be coming back obviously next week to talk more MLS as match day two comes about. Liga Makis. After that, we'll be um, covering all Nations League. So stay tuned. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, 90 Min US, Instagram. Twitter, we're everywhere, personal tags, and 90minus, obviously, 90minus.com. I mean, 90min.com slash US as well. So stay tuned. We will be back. Thank you, Santi Jimenez, for ending this on a high note. We'll be back. Thanks for listening. The US is the best. No, I'm sorry. We can't hear you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.